I should have introduced myself earlier. My name is Nick Swan. I'm the associate pastor here at Grace. We're going to be continuing our series from the book of Luke this morning, a series that Marshall has entitled uh, Jesus Unexpected. And the title of this particular message is Focusing on Jesus. Jesus Unexpected, Focusing on Jesus. Let me pray for us before we begin. Father, thank you for the opportunity to hear from your word. May our hearts be open to the work of your spirit. I ask that you would help us to focus our gaze on you, to pause all of the distractions that may be crowding into our minds and our hearts right now, that we might look at you, be strengthened by you, encouraged by you, maybe even convicted by you, but in every way transformed by you. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Last weekend, on Friday evening, all day Saturday, and all day Sunday, I had the privilege of hanging out in beautiful Kankakee, Illinois. Anybody been to Kankakee? Anybody from Kankakee? No offense, that was somewhat sarcastic. It is not the most beautiful place in the world, and I spent multiple days at the Kankakee Greater, Air, Greater Kankakee Airport, which I didn't even know existed. And the reason I was there is that I was taking a motorcycle training class in order to get my endorsement for my Illinois driver's license. This training consisted of multiple hours in the classroom, multiple hours on a motorcycle, learning, refreshing skills, in preparation for a written exam that I had to take on Sunday afternoon and a writing test that I had to take on Sunday afternoon as well. Now, although I've ridden motorcycles most of my life, I grew up racing motocross bikes as a kid. I've ridden touring bikes as an adult. It was helpful transferring my license from North Carolina to Illinois to, just, to be refreshed on what are some of the protocols, how to think about safety, how to get back on the bike, and, and make sure that I'm taking care in a somewhat dangerous way of traveling. And one of the safety concepts that they covered in this class was something called inattention blindness. Inattention blindness. Inattention blindness is defined as this, failing to see what is plainly in front of us. Inattention blindness, failing to see what is plainly in front of us. And this phenomenon is caused by how we focus our eyes on objects. I was surprised to learn that all of us as human beings, we only really focus on a three-degree cone out from our bodies. So right now, if you're in my focus, you're in that three-degree cone. And we have all this peripheral vision around that, and we think that it's really reliable. But in reality, what I'm really focusing on is this individual person in that three-degree cone. And my brain is filling in all kinds of information around that three-degree cone that may or may not actually be that accurate. And the mistake that we often make when driving or riding a motorcycle is that we see that three-degree cone and we begin to fix on something and we oftentimes will miss the things that are in plain sight right around that. Someone entering an intersection when we're not looking there, brake lights in front of us, an object in the road, something that has happened up far ahead that we should be able to look at. And so this is why they teach us in order to avoid this inattention blindness, what do they tell us to do? We're supposed to scan. We're supposed to be looking all the time so that we can see what is plainly in front of us. Because if we fixate on that three-degree cone, inevitably we will miss something around us and we'll find ourselves in an accident. This is how we overcome inattention blindness. Now, if you want to experience this phenomenon for yourselves, you can actually take something called the dancing gorilla test, the dancing gorilla test. Some of you may have taken this test. It's a test where you're on a screen, you see a video, 
and they will ask you to watch all the people in the white shirts and count how many times the people in the white shirts pass the ball to each other. And so you are laser focused on these three people in white shirts passing the ball. And what you don't see because you're laser focused on these three people is that there is a gorilla that is dancing across your screen. And so at the end of this timed period, they ask how many times did they pass the ball? And you'll be really happy because you'll say 15 or 16. You'll have the exact right answer. And then they will ask you, did you happen to see the gorilla that was dancing across your screen? And you'll be incredulous. No way. There's no way that there was a gorilla that danced across this screen. And then they rewind it. And sure enough, while you're laser focused on these people passing this ball, there is a gorilla that has walked the entirety of that screen, stops in the middle, frequently will do this in the middle, will walk off, and you were completely unaware that this was happening. It's an example of inattention blindness. When we're laser focused on something, something can be hidden from us, although it is in plain sight. One of Jesus' Primary teaching tools in the gospel is, Gospels is the use of parables. These parables are super simple stories. Children can understand. Children can repeat. Children can explain the meaning of these parables on a surface level. Yet often these parables are lost on the audience. They're, the spiritual meaning behind them is lost. Why? For these parables, they have an intended effect. The listener has to have a heart that is attuned to Christ in order to understand the spiritual realities that are hidden just below the surface of what are otherwise very plain and simple stories. In order for us to see, in order for us to hear God's voice, we must be focused on him and allow him to explain the deeper meaning of these plain truths, truths that are hidden in in plain sight for us to see, and yet oftentimes we are blind to them because our attention is not on Christ but on other things. The challenge for us is inattentive blindness, or to use the sense that Jesus uses in this this parable, inattentive deafness. Often we're so focused on other things other than Jesus that when Jesus dances across the screen of our minds, waving his arms, trying to get our attention, when he's speaking to us through his word, oftentimes we cannot see him nor can we hear him because our attention is laser focused on other things. In this passage, Jesus not only teaches us what is required to understand the truths of these parables, he's also going to illustrate using the very parable that he uses in this passage, ways in which our hearts and our minds, our eyes and our ears, they fail us because we are often distracted by the world around us. If we are going to see Jesus clearly, if we are going to hear his voice, we must attune our senses to him. We must take our three-degree cone of vision... And we must take it off of all of the other things in the world just for a moment and focus it on him so that we might clearly hear him and understand and see him for all that he is. The Son of God and the Savior of the world is speaking to us in this passage. In fact, he's speaking to us all the time. The question is, does he have our attention? Our first point is this, the parable of the sower, the parable of the sower. Look with me, Luke 8, verses 4 through 8. When a great, great crowd was gathering and people from the town after, uh, people from town after town came to him, sorry, people from town after the town came to him, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. 
and some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So again, simple parable. A crowd gathers. Jesus begins to teach in a way that he often does with parables. And he uses an agricultural parable, which would have resonated. He's living in a very agrarian society. And on the surface, this parable is easily understood. Sower takes some seed and he sows it. It lands on various soils. And depending on what soil it lands on, it has various agricultural outcomes. Some seed lands along the path. It's hard soil. So it doesn't immediately germinate. And so birds of the air come and they pluck it up and they eat it and they take it away. Some seed falls on stony soil, so there's a little bit of soil, but underneath is stony, and so it immediately takes root and it begins to grow, but because the roots can't grow commensurate with it going up and going down, it has insufficient moisture for the plant to continue to grow because the blocks are, rocks are blocking the way, and so the plant withers and dies. Some seed falls on decent soil, but it also falls in among thorns. And so these thorns, they grow up and they begin to wrap themselves around the crop and they begin to block and steal nutrients from that crop ultimately so that that, that plant, although it grows, it doesn't bear much fruit. And finally, some seed falls on some good soil, takes root, soil that's free from rocks, soil that is allows the roots to grow deep and get moisture, soil that is free from weeds and thorns, and so there's nothing that's inhibiting the growth of the plant, and so it grows, it yields a hundredfold, it bears much fruit. And then Jesus calls out at the end of this very simple parable, which everyone would have understood, and he says this strange phrase, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. It's easy, it's simple. I have ears, they work. I heard the story, it makes perfect sense. There's nothing unclear about this. But he cries out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. What does this mean? Jesus goes on to explain. This is point number two, the purpose of parables. The purpose of parables. Look with me at verses 9 and 10. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others, they are in parables. So there are others that are hearing this that are, they're going to be, it's a mystery of a parable. It's a story. You have the secret, they hear in parables. So that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now, if you're discouraged that when you first read that parable and then you read Jesus' explanation, that you did not immediately get all of the depth of the spiritual meaning of what Jesus had said, do not be discouraged. The disciples didn't get it either. In fact, the disciples should be a continual encouragement to us. The disciples almost never get anything that Jesus has done or says. And then later on, they're like, can you please explain this to me? I totally don't understand what you're talking about. And this is exactly what they're doing in this passage. So what do they do? This is key. What do they do when they don't understand? They acknowledge they don't understand. They pull them aside and say, Jesus, can you explain to us what you just taught in that parable? They pull them aside and they ask him, Jesus, what does this parable mean? But before explaining the parable, Jesus explains why does he even use parables to begin with? He tells the disciples it's been given to them to know the secrets of the kingdom and that parables are a means of sifting those who either have ears to hear or those who do not have ears to hear. So you know I'm telling you the secrets of the kingdom. And for those outside, I speak to them in parables in a sense to shroud it from them, the truth from them. Because I want to be able to reveal who has ears to hear and who does not have ears to hear. Now this might sound strange at first. Does, does Jesus really not want himself to be plain? 
Doesn't he want the gospel to go forward and the truth to be plain to them? Yes, that is absolutely true. It's not some secret handshake, some secret knowledge that you then get in. What Jesus is after here is a posture of heart. Having ears to hear and eyes to see is granted to those who humble themselves and acknowledge like the disciples did that they do not understand exactly what Jesus has said. Parables force us to acknowledge that apart from Jesus and his spirit opening our eyes, something that is plain and right in front of us that a child could tell us has deeper meaning that we ourselves cannot discern apart from the spirit of God working, us coming to Jesus saying, Jesus, I don't understand. Can you please teach me? They're a tool of humility. Ears to hear, eyes to see are granted to those who acknowledge that they need Jesus' help. They humble themselves and come to him. You see, the first step in overcoming inattention blindness or inattention deafness is understanding that it exists, that we have a vision problem, that we have a hearing problem. Acknowledging, I don't see as well as I think I do. I don't know and understand and hear as well as I think I do. In fact, if I'm going to hear, if I'm going to see anything, if we are going to hear or see anything, I need something outside of myself. I need God in his mercy to open my eyes and open my ears that I might understand what he has to say. But humbling ourselves, it's harder than we might think. We're educated people. We're accomplished people. I know this. I get this. I've heard this. I can tell you the Apostles' Creed. I know Psalm 23. I know the books of the Bible. I know theology. I know, I know. We know a lot, but do we have ears to hear what Jesus has to say through the things that we know? Do we have eyes to see? Humility is hard. It's funny watching folks take this dancing gorilla test. If you've got little ones that are currently in children's ministry who aren't hearing this, because as soon as you know there's going to be a gorilla on the screen, you'll see it every single time. Take one of your children home and have them watch this video. And it's funny because you see it the moment that gorilla comes on the screen, but they are laser focused. One, two, three, four. And you're kind of laughing and chuckling. They will be as incredulous as you were the first time you saw this video. But the moment that you tell them, they will from that moment on be able to see. Why? Because it requires us to have someone inform us of what something means in order for us to learn and to see things clearly. Once we know what we're looking for, we can see it every single time. But until our eyes have been opened, something that is in plain sight can be hidden from us. It's when we humble ourselves come to Christ, and then when he shows us and he tells us, then our eyes are open, we can finally see what's been there all along. Jesus has made it plain. Are you prepared to humble yourself? Acknowledge you do not see and you do not hear. We do not see, we do not hear. And Christ calls us to humble ourselves that he might teach us from his word. All right, so now we have the purpose of parables, to teach humility and dependence Let's go to Jesus' explanation of this parable, which is going to dovetail nicely with this whole concept of attention or inattention and how it impacts our ability to hear God's voice. Point number three, the parable of the sower explained. All right, look with me, verses 11 to 15. Now, the parable is this. This is Jesus' explanation to the disciples. The seed, that's the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard, then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. 
And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But those have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing, they fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life. And their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. All right, let's look at each one of these soils. Let's start with the hard soil. This is soil along the path. These are the people who hear. That seed has been sown, but their hearts are hard, hearts are hard. And as a result, before they can have hearts that are softened, before they can turn and respond to this good news, the enemy, which is the devil, swoops in, steals away that seed such that they are not able to repent and be saved. If you are here this morning and you are hearing the gospel, you may even be open to the gospel today. I believe what this soil teaches you is to not be closed off. Do not delay. Do not assume that that seed will be sitting there the next time you come around to look for it. You have an enemy and he is not passive. And the moment that you begin to turn your gaze to Jesus, do you know what that enemy wants to do? He immediately wants to turn your gaze away so that you might think, you know, that sounds great, but I think I'll just come back to that another time. But friend, if that is you... If you're hearing the gospel and you are any way inclined to respond to that gospel this morning, do not delay. Do not assume I'm going to circle back to this in a more convenient time in my life. Because you have an enemy that may swoop in, steal the seed of that gospel, and you may be in peril and never come back again. Friend, respond to Christ when he is speaking to you. Do not harden your heart. Do not turn away. And do not allow the enemy to steal the good news which is set before you. Respond to Christ. And receive him in faith. Next is the rocky soil. The rocky soil represents those who at first respond with enthusiastic faith. But when times of testing come, they fall away because their their roots were insufficiently deep. These times of testing, they can be suffering or they can be temptation to sin and they can be quite varied. There are any number of temptations to sin that can prevent us. They can be rocks in our lives that will prevent our faith from growing deeply. Anger, lust, greed, materialism, ambition. These are all temptations that can can stand in the way of us growing deeply. That can constantly stunt our growth such that when temptations come, when suffering comes, because our, our, our roots have not grown sufficiently deep to relate to Christ, when testing and temptation come, we wither and we die because we cannot be nourished by Christ. There are also temptations that come through suffering. A cancer diagnosis, the loss of a loved one, infertility, a wayward child, the disappointments of midlife or old age, career or school failure, the loss of a relationship or a marriage that was important to you, persecution for your faith. And the other gospels testing in this parable is equated with the sun, where there is a plant who has in, that it has insufficient roots. And when the sun comes and that That plant is desperate for more water. It cannot get to that water because it runs into rocks. And so when the heat of trials and temptations come, the plant withers. But as hard as this testing is, as hard as this temptation is, it is an opportunity for us to grow deeper roots. 
to dig deeper into Christ and find water for our souls. Sadly, we often do the opposite. When testing and temptation come, we have the opportunity to press in, but it's so easy to turn elsewhere. So easy when trials come to get angry at people and circumstances. They're the problem and we blame them for it. And all of our ire and all of our focus is on this person or this circumstance. Or when we can't escape those circumstances, we, we run to other means of escape. We don't escape to Christ. We, we escape to alcohol. We escape to entertainment. We escape to materialism. All these things to numb ourselves because we can't quite face the challenge that is in front of us. But this testing, it's an opportunity not to escape, not to grow angry and bitter, but to turn to Christ and begin to dig deeper and plant our roots in him that we might find water for our souls. Next, we have soil that is infested with thorns. These thorns represent the cares, riches, and pleasures of this life. These provide us with not the test of suffering, but the test of prosperity. This is the category of soil where inattention blindness, I believe, is most pronounced. We live in a thorny world filled with un, an unending supply of cares, riches, and pleasures. And they are all constantly vying for our affections and our attention. I've seen this thorny challenge increase exponentially in the 16 years that I've been a pastor. I've been pastoring since 2007... This isn't unique to our context. I've been in Charlotte. I've been in Elgin. I've been here. I've been in small churches, big churches, rich churches, middle class churches, different parts of the country. And I've seen this grow exponentially in all the contexts in which I've pastored. When I first started pastoring, the number one challenge I faced is that I needed to create as many contexts as possible to help people grow together in Christ. And to do those con various contexts with excellence. Sunday morning, adult ed, grace groups, youth, children, high school. All of the various things that you can think of. Service, evangelism, outreach, administrative excellence. All This is what my responsibility was. And I was constantly thinking, how can I do more of these things, offer more of these things... And how can I do them better? Now, do you know what the number one challenge is that I face as a pastor? The number one challenge I face isn't creating more contexts that are excellently done. It's vying for everyone's attention. That's my number one challenge as a pastor. How can I get everyone's attention? And how can I then as efficiently and as effectively place as much discipleship material in the smallest number of contexts possible because I'm only going to get people's attention for hours, maybe minutes per week. That's my number one challenge. It used to be how many contexts can I make, now it's how can I fit the most and the least amount of contexts possible. And friends, this isn't just true of you, it's true of my own soul. My heart and my mind, they feel like they are humming all the time with the frantic pace of life. I have constant access to the world via my phone and it has access to me. I can get any TV show that I want at any time from any era and stream it live with the click of a button. I can enjoy a number of material pleasures that money affords, but then I also have all the responsibility of taking care of all the things that all of our monetary blessings can afford us. I have to, children who I'm trying to help navigate all these same distractions and temptations and testing and how to prepare them to, to launch into a world in a hyper-competitive college and vocational life that they're eventually going to be in. I feel like my, I'm humming all the time and I feel like the more that I do, do you relate to this? The more that I do, the more that I have to do. 
And it's always coming at me. I'm looking. And then it's this, context shifting. Bam, 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 bam. Email, call, text. Do this, do that. What about this? Save this. Go here, do that. If you don't do this, your children are going to be disastrous. Ding, ding, ding. All the time. Do you feel this? Do you feel this? Our minds are spinning so quickly. It has become so hard for us to quiet ourselves and to turn our attention to Christ and nourish our own souls. Instead, we settle for cramming Jesus into ever-shrinking cracks in our lives. I barely even sit down to read my Bible. You know why? Because I listen to the audio Bible in my car because i got to drive somewhere. It's one example for my own life. Now, i got some time. Fit him in. Cram him in. Yeah, I can go to that if nothing else is happening. Bam, bam. Fit him into the cracks. But here's the thing. Do you know what's happening to us? What's already happened to us, but is continuing to happen to us? Slowly, subtly, no quicker than a thorny vine growing around a healthy plant, our lives are being swallowed up by the distractions of this world. The thorns of cares, riches, and the pleasures of this life, they are tightening around us, and they are robbing us of spiritual nourishment such that we are bearing far less fruit than God intends for us. We live in an attention economy, the vines of which are growing around our souls. And Jesus is dancing across the screen. I mean, the the irony, the fact that our screens are our biggest distraction. He's on the screen and he is waving and we cannot see him because we are laser focused on other stuff. And he's trying to tell us that the promises of this world, all these distractions that we think will make us happy, they are actually traps. And the more we give ourselves to them, the more we think they will satisfy, the less they satisfy. And yet, what do we do in that moment? We double down and we just keep digging deeper. Friends, there is a better way. Think of it like a parent with a little child. Jesus is grabbing your face right now. And you know the child that wants... Child, look at me. (laughs) Eyes... Jesus is cupping our face right now, and he's saying there is a better way. You don't have to live like this. And the better way is the good soil. Soil where the seed of the gospel can hold fast in honest and good hearts, bearing fruit with patience. It's in this soil that we will find rest for our souls, hope in Christ, strength to resist sin and persevere through trials and temptations. It's also the soil that with the eyes of our hearts, they can be sharpened and our ears can be attuned to what is most important, helping us to cut through all of the noise of the genuine concerns that we have. Friends, it's not that we'd walk through life just thinking about Jesus. That's not what this is after. It's that we pause and we turn our attention to Jesus such that when we inevitably turn back to the things that are real and genuine responsibilities that we will have fresh perspective, that we will have rest, that we will have trust, because we will see those things now in the perspective, having brought ourselves to Christ and having him tune our hearts and our ears to his voice so that when we launch out into the world to do the things we all have to do every day, we can do so with hope, with patience, with peace, and with joy. Friends, there is a better way, better than the anxiety, the depression, the fear, the striving, that are prevalent in our society, that are pervasive in our society. And Jesus offers this to us. 
But this will require some things. If we're going to take our focus off something else and put it on Christ, it means we're going to have to say no to something else in order to look at Christ. Which means each of us are going to have to take stock and ask, if my life is so full that I can't have even a moment to look at Christ, and this is truly what's important, then what am I going to have to move to the side so that my gaze can be pulled away from that to look at him? It's also going to require that we humble ourselves and acknowledge that we need him. That we cannot hear, that we cannot see, that we are blind and we are deaf apart from Christ. But the moment we turn to him, our eyes are opened and our ears are unstopped. This is a work of God's spirit, but it requires us to participate with him. But if we will do so, if we will do this, if we will give our attention to Jesus, the attention that he deserves and that we need, that we need... His spirit will renew the soil of our hearts such that the word of God can grow in our hearts and begin to bear much fruit. It's God's word dwelling richly within us that will protect us from an enemy that wants to steal away the gospel. It's the word of God planted in us deeply that will help us to resist temptation and to persevere through trials. It's the word of God dwelling richly in us that will help us to weed out the thorns of our hearts, the distractions and the pleasures of this life, such that we can, with good and honest hearts, bear much fruit through the, Christ, through the gospel, through Jesus Christ. Friends, this is the hope that Jesus offers us. He's speaking to us right now. He's dancing across the screen of our hearts. He is waving his hands and he's asking for our attention. And the only point of application is this. Will you give him that attention? Will you turn your eyes to him? Will you focus on him? If you'll do so, he will transform your heart. Let me pray for us. Father, I ask that you would get our attention. Focus our gaze upon you. Help us to see that all that we look for in the world, all the beauty, the goodness, the rest, the peace, the hope, the satisfaction, we can find them all in you, and you invite us to do so by turning our gaze to you. Father, may we find rest there and peace there and joy there that we all want and long for. I ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.